The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have one of the top players in the draft coming in for a visit, but it would be a huge mistake to pick him. That and more on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. Your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts so you get the latest episodes when they drop. I am James Jarko, Deputy Editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com, joined by the one, the only, Mr. Evan Klosky of 10 Tampa Bay. Of course, you can check everything out that he is doing over on 10 Tampa Bay and at 10tampabay.com. And make sure you're following everything on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at Eklosky WTSP. The Buccaneers finally got Antoine Winfield Jr. some help in the back end of the defense. That is coming up a little bit later. But first... Usually, Evan, it would be really exciting for Buccaneers fans to hear that one of the best prospects in the draft, the best player at their position, is coming in for a top 30 visit. That is, unless the player is a projected first-round running back when you have gaping holes up and down your roster. So, B. John Robinson uh, visited the Buccaneers on Tuesday as one of their top 30 visits. And while there is obviously a major need at the running back position, well, maybe even majors a bit strong. They have Rashad White there. They brought in Chase Edmonds, still have Keyshawn Vaughn, but there is a need there for a running back that can kind of be the the complementary piece, the the one A one B with Rashad White. But Evan, is it really possible for the Buccaneers to ignore some of the major holes on this defense and be like? Yeah, no, we're going to take a running back at uh, pick number 19. Um, I think if you look at it like, hey, we're taking a running back, then yeah, I think a lot of people would be upset about that. I do want to say Bijan Robinson is a generational talent, a generational running back. And if he falls that far, it would, in, in black and white terms, be a steal based on talent, best available, whatever uh, whatever you want to put out there. He is a three-down back. He's explosive, uh, can, can block. He can obviously run, catch. He really does it all and would be, uh, would be a star in the league considering what the Bucs have with their offensive line. As far as the bones are concerned, um, you know, we'll see if they step up, but, uh, but I am – um, despite what we saw last year from the offensive line and the injuries and all that stuff, I'm a, a little bit more bullish on the O-line than maybe maybe some others. So I get it. You don't want to be drafting a running back in the first round unless you're a team that's really built to make a run like you know the Eagles or, or something like that where you well, have all – the bill, yeah, you have all the all the bones in place. You just want to add in that electric piece. Uh, then it makes a little bit more sense. But um, 
while I'm not a fan of drafting a first-round running back, I certainly am not going to be angry if they were to have Bijan drop in their lap and they took him because I think he is that good of an athlete, and I don't think fans are going to complain at all when Bijan is running for touchdowns uh, all over the field. And not to mention, everyone's wondering, Kyle Trask, Baker, I'm not confident, yada, yada, yada. Well, guess what? You get Bijan Robinson, you got less to worry about with the quarterback. It makes their job that much easier. So I can I can spin zone this argument into a very positive direction, but I certainly understand the hesitation considering where this team has holes, and, and there are a, a handful of them. Yeah, I know a lot of Bucks fans are are still bitter and frustrated about the first round running back that should have been when the Bucks passed on Dalvin Cook, and instead, I believe that was the OJ Howard draft. Um, yeah, yeah, see, I'm I'm much more vehemently against first round tight ends. Yeah. Historically speaking, it, it just rarely works out in the way that you think it's going to work out. I, I think looking at this. In a vacuum, when you can put somebody of that level of talent on your roster, it's always a good thing, regardless of position, regardless of of you know positional value or or whatever you want to call it. That's always a good thing. When you take a look at the 2023 Buccaneers, it's a terrible idea to draft a running back when you still need a tackle. You still need a three-four defensive end to help out Vita Vea. You still need safeties you still need corners you still need a wide receiver you still need a tight end you you need all of these pieces but then if you take another step back kind of what what you were saying and you look at this as a two-year rebuild i mean B. John robinson now and then focusing on other positions later in the draft focusing on free agency next year focusing on the 2024 draft to get this team back to the top of the nfc south if they even fall out of the top of the nfc south it becomes a little bit easier to to swallow that pick knowing the as you put it the generational talent that you got there at, at pick number 19 and 23 and if you if you look at it from the from the perspective of a two-year rebuilding plan then it doesn't matter if you get the starting tackle in 23 or you get him in 24. If you get the starting safety or the starting defensive end in 23 or 24, you still need all of these pieces, but it's going to be a tough sell for fans knowing that you need all these pieces and the team opted for a running back. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, most teams need something and if it's not this season, it's for the future, so on and so forth, you know, how much do the Bucks truly need, right? Like they need a, a we'll, we'll talk about the safety position, but mm -hmm. they now at least could probably get by with the need for depth versus the need for a star safety, you know, the draft a, a first and second rounder to step on the field right away. They can probably get away with somebody who they can, you know, nurture a little bit. Um, do they need uh, a cornerback? Not really. They need they need a slot corner, probably. But other than that, those positions are settled. Um, would they need a, a line an outside linebacker? No. Are we a little bit skeptical of what they might bring? 
yeah, maybe, but they don't necessarily need to draft it. So the point that I'm getting at is while we all see the, the needs, you know, sometimes these needs are really wants, right? We want them to add another explosive edge rusher because they don't really have that, but they have guys on the roster who can play that role. We have just seen some tape, not to mention Shaq Barrett's coming back from a pretty gnarly injury to where we're concerned that that's going to be an issue entering the season. But if they, they, they can enter next year with what they have, it's not necessarily what I think fans want, but it's not necessarily what the team needs. They need another, probably an offensive tackle if they're going to swing uh, Tristan over. Anyway, they need another swing tackle period uh, with Josh Wells going to Jacksonville. So there's definitely a need on the offensive line probably for one person. Um, You know, I don't think they need a wide receiver. Again, people don't necessarily love Russell Gage. I think it's more injury-related what we saw last year. You still have Devin Tompkins. You can get by with what you got. It all comes down to injuries. And um, and for me, Bijan Robinson would be an exceptional talent. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's the right pick, and I don't know if it's a need, but he certainly, if he fell at that spot, would be the vet best available player on the board. And you know, we'd be jumping on the draft special, being like, "Whoa, they got a big old <laughs> talent." <laughs> it, it's quite possible, and, and who knows? They've you know, Baker has come out and said it. Dave Canales has come out and said it. Todd Bowles has come out and said it. The dedication to the run game in this offense, from that perspective, it also makes a little bit of sense. And like you said, whether it's Baker, whether it's Kyle, uh, you know, whether it's it's Ryan Griffin, you know, that takes a lot of pressure off of them to have Bijan Robinson and Rashad White. I still think it would be a mistake, but you can't deny the amount of talent that they would be bringing into the building with the 19th overall pick. But the Buccaneers are bringing in some other talent as they agreed to terms with a new safety on Tuesday and one that offense coordinator Dave Canales does know pretty well. So that is coming up next here on Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NBA playoffs are he almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drained, plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Also, I just opted in to my master's insurance where you get bonus bets back if you lose in the master's. So, hey, you need that. I do need that. Uh, I am currently sitting on a streak of 18 consecutive bets (laughs) lost. 18. You need to start posting these bets so that people know how to fade you. I really, really show. We're going to start a locked on Bucks fade James segment uh, if this continues any longer. But hey, don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Mailbag questions coming up in just a little bit, but it is time to talk about a new addition for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This one, not speculatory coming later on this month in the draft. No, 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 no. The Buccaneers have agreed to terms with former Seattle Seahawks safety Ryan Neal. Because that's not confusing at all. You go from Logan, Ryan, and Keanu Neal. Yeah, too to many Neals. Ryan Neal. Uh, he has agreed to a one-year deal. Our friend Jordan Schultz over at The Score was the first one on the news. So Neal is entering his sixth NFL season. His rookie year is with Atlanta. He moves on to Seattle. And in his first two years, he plays in a combined one game. Hmm. One game. But then over the course of the next three years, he really, really uh, steps up and, and performs well for the Seattle Seahawks. He was a late bloomer, but uh, over the course of the next three seasons, he gets over 40 tackles per year. Last year, a career-high 66 tackles. He's got three interceptions, eight passes defense, 10 tackles for loss, two sacks, forced fumble, uh, basically all in the last three years. So... He's he's a guy that can absolutely make an impact. He finished sixth in all pro voting this past season. It, it takes a little bit of the pressure off of the draft now where you at least have two starting caliber safeties uh, for the Buccaneers. Antoine Whitfield Jr. finally has some help back there. You do still have Logan Ryan floating out there in free agency. He could always potentially come back, but you know, Mike Edwards is gone. He's with Kansas City. Keanu Neal, I can't remember where he signed, but he signed with somebody. Steelers. Steelers. That's what a two-year deal. Um, so, Evan, your thoughts on Ryan Neal joining the Buccaneers? Uh, on paper, fantastic. And I want people to understand, first, how the Buccaneers got Ryan Neal. So, I... Brock Heward has a sports radio show out in Seattle with uh, Mike Salk. And he pretty much breaks it down with the fact that because of how the money all worked out, remember they got Bobby Wagner, they brought Julian Love. They were not going to have four safeties on the roster. And he said, quote, uh, you may say, well, it's just $2.67 million. And yeah, that is still $1.6 million more than they could afford that they're going to need for salary cap for this draft class. And when the musical chairs of safety ran out, it was not restructuring the contract to Jamal Adams. It was Ryan Neal who was left without a chair. So it seems like a very savvy move from Jason Light and company to just pounce immediately because this roster was in desperate need of a safety. There were no doubt about it had the draft won. Now, as I mentioned uh, moments ago, they don't necessarily have to draft one in the first round like a, uh, like a Brian Branch, right? Because they, at that point, they need someone who can step on the field next year. They, Winfield needs somebody. And now bringing in a talented veteran on essentially a show-me deal, which is, I guess, popular in Tampa Bay now, <laughs> um, it – it presents an opportunity to maybe swerve from, hey, we need this position earlier in the draft to maybe we can go for this guy for this position later in the draft, nurture a talent and have them play under a guy like Neil, who 
will then play next to a guy like Antoine Winfield Jr. And all of a sudden, you've just reshaped in a very quick way a little bit of your outlook entering the end of this month and what you'll be bringing into the organization. Yeah, I, I certainly don't think it, it precludes the Buccaneers from taking if Brian Branch is sitting there. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, they could still take, you know, a Sidney Brown in round two. They, they could certainly still take a safety in the first two rounds, especially, you know, definitely in the first two days. But one of the things that I always like to look at with a signing like this is the reaction of the fan base of the team that the player is leaving. Mm -hmm. Seattle Seahawks fans are furious that this guy is leaving. Uh, I was kind of chatting back and forth with Corbin. Of course, you guys know from Locked on Seahawks, and he says he's a really good player. He's an even better person, and he was the best interview on the team. Saw another Seahawks fan that say uh, he is objectively a better safety than both Adams and Love. So he was the safety that that fan would have rather had than the, the players that they kept. But Seattle Seahawks fans are really upset that Ryan Neal is leaving. So this is a guy, you know, as you put it, the Buccaneers have been doing a lot of these one-year prove-it deals, all these things. He could end up a long-term guy when they have a little bit money. Maybe that was discussed. Maybe it was a, hey, you know, we have a, a terrible cap situation right now. You play your butt off and then, you know, we can reevaluate and, and we can break you off something next year for, for long-term. Uh, maybe they fell in love with B. John Robinson and they were like, we're definitely taking this guy. <laughs> well, so we can't take Brian branch. We have to sign a safety. Well, and I want to say this, right? We know that Todd Bowles is going to make Antoine Winfield Jr. Stay at the safety position, right? Yes. He's already said that in uh, the off season press conferences. We've heard from him. What's interesting is Neil played 227 snaps at free safety. He played 102 in the slot. So maybe Neil will be the 2023 version of what 2022 Antoine Winfield Jr. was okay. in the Todd Bowles defense. And you put your ball hawk into a more favorable position, which is what Mike Edwards was put in, who didn't really – do exactly what you thought he was going to do entering the year. And now you're kind of seeing the pieces on the chessboard fall into the place that Todd Bowles likes to do things. So it's making a little sense here. You're worried a little bit about the too deep, but it's again, it's, it's a phenomenal grab. It really is. And it goes to show you that the off season period, free agency, all that stuff. We get all hyped on March 15th. Oh, yeah. But you got to save some uh, some bullets in the chamber for what's coming out later, and you never know. And the Buccaneers made it work. And very quietly, Tampa Bay is putting forth, in my opinion, an uh, in, in excellent offseason. Whether that turns into wins or not in this season, I don't know. But I love the process. I love the additions. I love the extensions. I love uh, the what they've done with the people they necessarily have let go and, and who they brought in to replace those people. It just, to me, it's been pretty sound. It's been, uh, I don't have a lot to complain with considering the hefty bill they were left with at the restaurant when leaving. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, and we've talked 
a lot on this show about the different waves, right? There's that first wave of free agency. Then there's like a little mini ripple after that all dies down. Then you have the draft. Mm -hmm. Then you have the true second wave. And then there's going to be another wave coming when teams start cutting down their rosters. We always see surprise cuts, big name players that can come in and contribute especially if they happen to have a relationship with someone on the coaching staff that can bring them along. So there's a lot of phases to this, and the Buccaneers really, really nailed this one. But we reach into the mailbag to uh, to answer one of our listener questions about where exactly are the Buccaneers right now. That is coming up next here on Locked on Bucks. Wrapping things up here on a WTSP Wednesday edition of Locked On Bucks podcast, and it is mailbag time. We are going to try to do this a little bit more often, maybe not every Wednesday, but more often on the show, at least once a week. Let's try to get some of these mailbag questions in, and, and it doesn't necessarily need to be about the draft or about free agency or anything like that. In fact, this one is uh, is about neither of those things, so it's going to be a nice little change of pace here. I'm not going to sing the Blues Clues mail song. Uh, Here comes the mail. No, Uh, maybe we can get David to do that. But this comes in from Gabe in Ohio. Shout out, Ohio. Uh, He says, no, well, B-U-C-S, not not Uh, the other disgusting one. Regardless, you have to say it, so go back. No, yeah, Jim Harbaugh uh, owns the Bucks. Yeah, no. The candy's (laughs) delicious, though. Uh, (laughs) Hey guys, I'm wondering with all the moves that have been made by the Falcons, Panthers and Saints and how the Bucks have been relatively quiet. Well, they they just made a really, really nice move. Uh, Of course, that wasn't done when when Gabe sent in the email. (laughs) uh, The Bucks have been uh, relatively quiet. How do you feel they stack up within the division now ahead of the draft? I don't think they are the worst. But I think the Saints and Panthers have better rosters right now, even without knowing who Carolina's quarterback is. Would love to hear your thoughts and where you rank them pre-draft. Love the show. Gabe, we appreciate the email. We love you too. So, Evan, I'm going to defer to you. We don't know who Carolina's quarterback is, but every available free agent known to man has come to the NFC South to Atlanta, New Orleans, or Carolina, where do you feel the Bucs line up in the NFC South ahead of the draft? It's a great question. So first off, I am going to be Team Carolina overrated entering next season. I think that – now, I think they're building a, a strong foundation. Don't get me wrong, but I think people are – they're going to draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right? We think it's going to be C.J. Stroud, whoever. Uh-huh. And everyone's going to jump on a train and Frank Reich, yada, yada, yada. And, um, uh, like, the additions they've made this offseason, to me, are not world beaters. You know, it's like, oh, they got Adam Thielen, watch out. It's like, uh, okay, um, you know – he was kind of regressing mm. uh, shout out to Detroit, Detroit lakes, Minnesota. He was kind of regressing anyway, and he was playing next to Justin Jefferson. So it's going to be a little bit different when you have nobody there to help you in Carolina, the receivers are a bit of an issue. So uh, con- I'm going to consider them uh, overrated. I think the Falcons and the Buccaneers are going to be underrated. Uh, the only thing in my eyes holding the Falcons back is whatever Ritter's going to be. 
I'm not sold on him, obviously, but I, I do like some of the ads that the Falcons have made. I think they're going to be an explosive rushing attack for sure, and they, they spent a little bit of money. So I'm not saying they're, they're going to win the division, but I do believe that they're probably going to be counted out, and I think they're going to be in the mix along with the Buccaneers. And right now the Saints are my favorites in the NFC South. But that's not to say I think they're going to cruise right through the way that we thought that the Buccaneers were going to cruise through the NFC South entering last year, which did not happen. Um, I think they're also a flawed team. So it's going to be a battle. I have a tough time believing there's going to be many sweeps. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be a home-and-home sweep from teams. I can see the Saints out of everyone pulling it off you know, more than the other three in the division against their opponents. Not that the Saints are going to go uh, win every divisional game. They absolutely will not. Uh, we do assume they will beat the Buccaneers because that is just what they do. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey. I know they broke the trend last year, but. Yeah, let's just relax on that. For, let's, for <laughs> I'm just saying, historically speaking. Um, so if I had to guess, I would say Saints, and then I would put the other three in just a a jumble, just like I don't know. I like I view them yeah. kind of equally. Of like, I don't know. I got to see the first four weeks of the season, see how everyone's performing, what injuries are happening, and then I'll, I'll be able to formulate an opinion. But I believe they're all kind of right here, and the Saints are just a smidge above the the fray. I I do put the Saints probably at the top, not by much. You know, like you said, kind of a kind of a smidge. And I think a lot of that has to do with just kind of the proven track record of who they brought in to be the quarterback. Derek Carr is a solid quarterback, and he's probably, not definitely, probably the best quarterback in the division. Now, I think that Baker Mayfield could certainly outperform Derek Carr. We don't know what Desmond Ritter is. We don't know who Carolina has. So the the quarterback edge I will give to the Saints, but I think the Buccaneers are, are right behind it. Um, I honestly, and, and again, Gabe asks about, about pre-draft. So right now, taking a look at the Panthers, their starting quarterback is Andy Dalton. So I would put the Saints and the Bucks up at the top. Then there's a line. Then you have the Falcons and, and the Panthers down there. That can shift. We have to see what happens in the draft. We have to see if these picks pan out. I'm, I'm kind of with you. You want to see the first couple weeks of the season, see how things are going. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Frank Reich as a uh, head coach anymore. I really liked him. In I, think he, I think he got a little bit of a raw deal in Indy. I, I think he he might have, but let's let's see. But uh, he, I'm assuming, you know, he he wanted Carson and it didn't really work out. So you know. right. Um, and that's the that's a problem. He wanted Carson, so right there is a red flag uh, immediately. So let's see how how that works out. Um, so yeah, I would say right now it's the the Bucks and the Saints are at at the grown up table, and the Falcons and Panthers are still at the the kid table. <laughs> um, we'll we'll see how that how that rearranges as things continue to come together and, uh, you know, post-draft and in that next wave of free agency that happens when teams didn't fill positions that they wanted to fill in the draft. With that, uh, Evan, 
I think we are going to get out of here. Shout out again. Thank you, Gabe in Ohio. And um, please send in your mailbag questions. We will continue to do mailbag segments leading up to the draft and definitely following the draft because we know you all are going to have reactions to that. And you can participate by the same way you're submitting your mock drafts. Send in the email to lockedonbuckspodcast@gmail.com or at lockedonbucks. Slide into the Twitter DMs that are always open over there. We want to thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or view every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more, join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We will be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Bucks. In the meantime, though, check out everything I'm doing over at BucksNation.com. Check out everything that Evan is doing over on 10 Tampa Bay and at 10TampaBay.com. And follow everything on Twitter at Locked on Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at Ekloski, W-T-S-P. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. We thank you so much for joining us right here on Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.